Well, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and go to Mark chapter 5 is where we are today. However you access those, phone, iPad, or if you actually still have some loose-leaf paper, however you uh, view those. If you're not familiar with looking up Scripture, most of it will be on the screen behind me today. And today, we're continuing our journey through this book of Mark, where we're looking at these snapshots of Jesus' life, these stories that just kind of grip us, and as we read them and we experience them, we're just kind of overwhelmed by them. Do you ever do you have, an, have anybody in your life that's kind of that uh, somebody who always exaggerates the story just a little bit more? Like you you've heard the story, you may have even been there when it happened, but now it's been told for like ten years, and on this side of it, like they are the savior of the world at this point uh, because of the way this story has grown and exaggerated. And some of the stories we look at in here, we think, man, did this actually happen, or is this just an exaggeration? over time. And that's why I love that we get to look at the book of Mark, because this was actually recorded about Jesus, not just a few years ago, not even just a few hundred years ago. It was actually recorded about 35 years after Jesus walked this earth. It's not been exaggerated. These are things that actually happen, these snapshots that we get to experience. In the first four chapters of Mark, we kind of introduced ourselves to the person of Jesus, who he was, his uniqueness, things that we could learn about him, his teachings and stuff like that. Now, as we move to chapter five, we're kind of moving into section two of this book where we're beginning to understand the power of Jesus and what kind of authority he demonstrates. And today we're going to look at almost what I call three almost unbelievable encounters that Jesus had with people in great need. In each of these encounters, we're going to find a picture of how our lives can be impacted by Jesus as well. So we're just going to dive right in today and start Mark chapter 5, verses 2. I'm going to read. There's some extensive reading today. It'll be on the screen. You may just enjoy sitting back and listening to this narrative being told, however you want to take this in. Mark chapter 5, verse 2. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. I don't know about you, but that would be a little odd for me. Like, uh, I just, we went on a cruise right here with Danielle and and Abraham, they did a wedding down in Bermuda. Like, I'm glad when I got off the boat, somebody with impure spirit did not come to meet me, but they did Jesus. So this man lived in the tombs and no one can bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons of his feet. No one was strong enough even to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stone. And this was Jesus' welcoming party when he got off the boat. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell at his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. And the herd, with about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Then those tending the pigs ran off which would be understandable, and reported this in their town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. I, I can't imagine. I mean, this is just one of those stories when you read, you're like, what? Like pigs and 
demons and like, what is going on here? And I would venture to say most of us in here today have never been possessed by a large group of evil spirits. Stop looking at each other. All right, that's not. But I want to venture most of us have not been possessed by a group of evil spirits. So when we read a passage like this, we tend to skim over and say something like, you know, this is interesting and all, but this is not one of part of Jesus' teachings that apply to me. Like, you know, I, if I ever run into somebody who's been possessed by a legion of demons, I will look up Mark chapter 5, figure out how to deal with it, hope some pigs are nearby, and then we'll deal with it from there. And so we just kind of skim through it. But the truth is this. We may not be possessed by evil spirits this morning, but we all struggle with our own inner demons. These things that just seem to torment our lives. It seems that we constantly bring us pain and hardship. These things that we can't seem to get past and get over or come, come against no matter how hard we try to bind them in our lives. We try to bind them with chains, hand and foot. We've tried to subdue them in every way that we can, and we cannot overcome them. They are like the possessed man who could not be bound, not even with a chain. And all he did day and night was cry out and cut himself. And that's what these inner demons are like that we deal with. I believe that when you study scripture and study people's lives, these boil down to just a few things and few truths that we can grab here. But the first truth I want you to see is this, is that Jesus has authority to bring peace even to the most tormented, even to the most tormented. Whatever inner demon you're struggling with, wherever thing is just beating you over the head day and night, Jesus has the authority to bring peace to the tormented. What are we tormented? I think it's one of three things usually. We're usually first tormented by fear. It's so easy for us to be overcome with fear, to allow things that we either have little or no control over to sneak into our lives lives and paralyze every part of who we are. Fear is this inner demon that slowly creeps into our lives and then all of a sudden takes over all fear and anxiety show up. I remember when we were growing up, uh, my mom and dad's house, we had this tall cabinet that we had the trash can in. And I could, uh, as, a, as a young kid, I could hide in that cabinet very well. And more, many times, I would, mom would be in there making dinner, and I had hidden in the cabinet waiting for her to open the door with trash. And so I would do that, and every time I would get her, I was like, Some, one day you're going to realize, like, I'm probably in here. And uh, this is not that kind of fear. It's more of like a fear that creeps up behind us comes along beside us. Mom and dad were here back in June for Natalie's graduation. I'm not just telling stories because they're here. You guys don't know I normally tell stories about that. They were, they were here for Natalie's graduation. I was going to meet them at Grand Central. They were staying over there. and I saw them walking down the sidewalk, and so I kind of snuck in behind them and came up quietly behind them and just gave them a very warm New York greeting right there. And I remember Dad saying they were just scared to death. My mom, my, my mom had to sit down and relax, and Dad was like, I just, I'd come to the realization, I'm gone. That's it. This is how it ends. This is how it ends right here. And this is what this kind of fear does to us. It just sneaks up. It's there with us, and then all of a sudden it takes over our life. The thing about fear and the rest of these inner demons that we're going to deal with is they follow a very recognizable path in our life. Because fear first shows up in our life, and then it leads us to worry. And then it leads us to doubt. And then it leads us to insecurity. And this can happen. It can kind of back us into a corner, and we get defensive trying to protect the things we have, and we get fearful, and we start to worry about the things, and we start to doubt, and we live insecure lives. The true torment in our lives is when we feel completely insecure with who we are and what we have. 
we feel out of control, things that are happening that will bring us harm, things that we can't do anything about. And maybe you've experienced this in your health, in relationships, in a loss of a job, in a death of a friend or a family member. But can I tell you what this, how this walks out in our life? When fear leads to worry, here's what worry does. We can't stop thinking about this issue. It keeps coming up night and day in our thoughts. And then doubt starts to creep in when we start thinking the worst about this issue. This is the worst thing, the worst outcome that will possibly come of this. And then we lead that into insecurity. And we can't stop thinking that I can't do anything to stop this freight train from coming at me. And we feel out of control and lacking perspective. Have you ever had the demon, the demon of fear, the inner demon of fear come alive in your life? We're just fearful to lose something. Maybe it's family, maybe it's a child. And just fear overwhelms you and leads you to complete insecurity. Can I tell you, that's not the way Jesus wanted us to live. Second one is this. The second thing we're tormented by is addiction. The second inner demon is this struggle that all of us have with addiction. And I'm not talking about just substance abuse or things that we can do on the external. I'm talking about internal as well. Addiction's a hard thing to to get past. It wouldn't be called addiction if it's not. I mean, if it was easy, we'd just set things aside. I remember a few years ago, Katie and I made a decision in our life to change our diet, and we tried to cut sugar out of our lives. And uh, we did that for a long time, and now uh, I allow some sugar back in, but it's got to be in the form of a really good cupcake or a really good, I mean, it's got to be worth it to have it. But I remember when we first cut sugar out of our lives, like we would go to the grocery store, and I would just find myself wandering up and down the candy aisle. And I would just smell Arisa's. And I'd be like, oh, like, just maybe like, I can taste it. But I was like, I was so set on getting sugar out of my life. But it was so hard. If you've ever tried to do something, like it, it is so hard to get past an addiction. But we have these internal desires, not just these external, that push us and drive us to make unwise and ungodly decisions. We can often be overcome by an addiction to things like acceptance of others, our success at all costs, things like safety and stability, our power and control. We can become addicted to pleasure and personal adoration. We become addicted to other people and the the way external influences make us look. All of these things in themselves aren't evil, but when we become addicted to them, they become our God and they make horrible gods. It is not worth giving our lives to them. And here's how addiction plays out in our life. It's another pathway. Addiction leads to dependence that leads to blindness that leads to ignorance. Dependence, we start to give up control of our lives to some desire or goal that does not have our best interest in mind. And then when we give that up, we start to be blind. We lose sight of everything except this one thing that has consumed our life and our vision. That one thing will always be what I make my decisions about. And when I start doing that, guess what? I start acting in ignorance. I stop making decisions based on truth and wisdom, and I start making decisions on the only things that feed my addiction. Have you ever been there? Ever been in a spot where you just realize, man, I'm so addicted to what this person thinks about me. I've been so addicted to getting this goal at work or hitting this level or this, or that, and these things that they blind us to everything else and cause us to make dumb decisions. This is an inner demon that we all fight with. And we consider, I'm not addicted to anything. You know, and, but the truth is, we all have things that we want to strive for and that pull our passions away from God. And it's the inner demon we face. The third one I think we face is this. The third torment that comes our way is the torment of bitterness. Bitterness is like these other demons, and that it can take root in our lives and slowly begin to penetrate every aspect of who we are. Bitterness is most often, if, if you've ever dealt with this, 
birthed out of a wrong that someone has done to me. And when I get bitter at someone, I, I speak to it from a justified perspective. Like, this person hurt me. This person diminished me. This person opposed me. This person stole from me. This person lied to me. So I have the right to be angry with them, to hold a grudge against them, and to want them to feel the exact same thing that I felt. This seems justifiable, and it's actually the most harmful kind of thinking we can allow into our lives. Because all it creates is this cycle of bitterness and anger and hatred toward other people. I want to hurt you, so I hurt you. You want me to feel how you felt, so you hurt me. And it's just this cycle that plays out in our life, and it leads us on another path. Bitterness leads to resentment, and then hatred, and then indifference. This is how it torments us. We step away from repentance and healing, and we withhold forgiveness. Resentment means that I begin to view the worst about people. I see them at their very worst. I'm not willing to see them as anything else but the person who hurt me or who did this to me. And then it shows up in hatred. I I hope and then I even begin to work to bring evil into their life. I want bad for them. And then when that doesn't bring me satisfaction, what I end up doing is this. I figure out that the worst thing I can do for them is not hurt them. The worst thing I can do is ignore them and be indifferent toward them. That's the worst thing. You can cut somebody completely out of your life. Have you ever been there? Have you ever dealt with any of these demons? These inner demons of bitterness that just take root in our life. Fear that overwhelms us an addiction that gets it to us. The thing is, is the difference between us and the man in the story that was tormented by these demons is we do a pretty good job of hiding it from other people. We're not foaming at the mouth. We're not running around cutting ourselves with stones. We, we're pretty good at, at hiding it, making everything look good on the outside. We keep everything private and let everything else, nobody else sees our true pain that we're being affected by bitterness, addiction, and fear. We try to keep it below the surface, just out of sight. But I want you to hear something today. When you have an encounter with Jesus, he doesn't let those things stay below the surface. He won't do it. Just like he did with the man in the story, he calls out your demons and he asks them their name. He reveals them and exposes them and calls them what they are. But he does not do this to embarrass us, but instead to free us from these demons. You see, Jesus has the authority and power to deal with each and every demon we face. If you struggle with fear, Jesus calls it by his name and he drives it out with love. 1 John 4:18 says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected by love. You have an unconditional and complete love from Jesus that will drive out fear. If you struggle with the demon of addiction, Jesus calls it by name and drives it out with provision that he gives you in your life. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. There is no need that you have in your life that Jesus cannot fulfill. If you struggle with bitterness, Jesus calls it by name and drives it out with forgiveness. Luke 6.37 says this, Do not judge or you will be judged. Do not condemn or you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. When we allow forgiveness to flow into our life from Jesus, it will naturally flow out of our life and allow us to forgive other people. When these addictions go unchecked in our lives, at least internally, 
we become like this possessed man of evil spirits. We're tormented and we start to live with unbearable pain. And I want you to hear this morning, Jesus wants to call your demons by name and deal with them and help you overcome them and let go of this pain. What an incredible image. What an incredible thought that Jesus cares deeply, just like that man on that beach when he landed. He cares deeply about you and what you're struggling with as well. There's a second story here that's pretty incredible. And it's a story, if you've read this part of Mark before, it's, a, it's kind of an unbelievable story as well. We're going to jump down to verse 24, and it says this, A large crowd had followed and pressed against him, talking about Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Which is kind of a crazy question if everybody's jammed in around him. He's like, who touched me? The disciples are like, what, are you crazy? And that's what they say. You see people crowding against you. His disciple answers and you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing that what had happened to her, came and fell on her feet, trembled with fear, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. Can I tell you what this story tells us about Jesus? Is Jesus has the authority to bring healing to the hopeless. Healing to the hopeless. This woman had been dealing with this sickness and this disease for 12 years. It had marked her life. I imagine in her, in her mind, her life was defined as her life before this issue and her life after this issue. It was the defining and dividing mark of her life. Everything in her life probably literally had been stained by this issue, this issue of blood that she had. It was her defining characteristic, what she was known for. She had lost hope in everything and everyone until she heard about Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here today and you, you view your life as disdained by some issue that's stealing your hope. Maybe it's a physical issue that you can't seem to find treatment for. Maybe it's an issue with your health, a health diagnosis that brings you fear of death or hardship into your life. Maybe it's a broken relationship that you have never been able to get past. Maybe it's some moral failure that you're still living with the consequences of. Many of us here today feel like our lives are stained in some ways. Say, so when I look back at my life, I have a defining moment, and it's not a good one. It's a stain on my life, and my life has been marked by this moving forward. We start to think, like, I am the one with this. I am the one with cancer. I am the one that's sick. I am the one that cheated on my spouse. I am the one that's divorced. I am the one that no one wants to marry. I am the liar. I am the thief. I am the cheater. I am the whatever issue it is you have. When we live like this, can I tell you what it does? It causes our past to define us. We think there's something in our life that we can't get rid of. This dark passenger that's riding with us that nobody else sees and knows as well as we do, but when they see us, that's all they see. That's all they see is this one thing. And when we feel this way, we start feeling limited in our present circumstances. We feel like there are things that we can't do or can't be because of what I was and what I did because of this dark passenger in my life. We don't see any other reality than our current state. And then we feel discouraged about any kind of future outlook. 
We have no hope for the future. This issue will either kill me or destroy me or define me for the rest of my life. There's no use in even trying anymore. My life is over. This dark passenger has won. For those of you feeling the stain of an issue this morning in here, like this woman that was literally stained with an issue, I want you to hear this. Jesus does not believe that about you. Jesus does not believe that about you. Just like he dealt with this woman who simply reached out and touched him, he will bring healing into your life when you reach out in faith. This morning, I'm not promising you a physical healing. I am promising you a hope that you may have lost because of what you view as a defining issue in your life. And there's one word that we can always go back to that can bring us to this hope is when we find hope through redemption. Jesus can redeem everything. Everything. Jesus doesn't just forgive sin. I want you to hear this this morning. He forgives us. But you know what the power of Jesus is? He can redeem our sin. You know what redemption of sin? He can take the worst about it, about us, and make something good out of it. And not just make something good out of it, he can make it our best thing. Your sin, your moral failure, the thing where you look and you say, this is where I was at the lowest, God can use that, Jesus can redeem that and make it the best. Look at what Colossians 1, 13 and 14, it says. It says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. There is nothing physical, emotional, or spiritual that is outside the realm of Jesus' redemption, period. There is no past hurt, past pain, past sin that Jesus cannot turn into good. I want you to hear this morning that if you feel like your life is defined by some indelible stain that can never be washed away, Jesus can actually take that stain and make it part of a beautiful masterpiece that he is drawing in your life. A beautiful painting that you'll be able to look back on and say, you know what? I couldn't be who I am. I couldn't do what Jesus wanted me to do without that. Would I have wanted it there? No. But God is using it to impact people's lives. Jesus has authority over hopelessness. When we allow our lives to be consumed by either these unbearable pains or these torments or these indelible stains that we think we can't get rid of, it leads us to one place, and it's death. Not even a physical death immediately, but we simply stop living. We resign ourselves to a painful, hopeless existence. But this morning, the last thing I want you to hear is this, is Jesus has authority even over death. He can bring life to the dead. I'm going to read a passage here. It's not going to be on the screen. I just want you to listen to this. This is uh, it's actually what happened on his way while he was on his way to, to do another miracle. He stopped and had a moment with this woman who had the issue of blood, and then we're going to pick up the story. So it's Mark 5, 21 and 24, and then 35 to 42. But just listen to this. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him when he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him uh, at that point, and then on his way is when he had the encounter with the lady with the issue of blood. And then verse 35 said this, While Jesus was still speaking, people, some people came from the house of Jairus and the synagogue leader and said, Your daughter is dead. And they said, Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. 
He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, John, and the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw the commotion and people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in to them and said, why does all this commotion and this wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. And after he put them all out, he took the father, child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. And they went into the, where the child was. He took her by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood and began to walk around for she was 12 years old. At this time they were completely astonished. I want you to hear you this morning. Maybe you feel like this little girl, dead to the world. The pain and fears of your addictions and your bitterness are like nails in your coffin. The stain of your past issues and failures are like dirt on your grave. You feel tormented and hopeless. Maybe you feel like people are laughing at you as they did at Jesus when he tried to bring hope. Maybe you're even laughing at yourself, thinking, I can never overcome this pain and this stain of my life. I want you to hear the words of Jesus this morning, just like he spoke to that girl, just like he spoke to those that had doubting voices. I want you to hear this morning, Talitha Kahum. Kahum, get up, arise, come alive. Break free of the pain and the stain that you are dealing with and let the power and the provision and the love and the power of Jesus come into your life and get up. Kahum, arise through the power of redemption of all things. Kahum, get up, overcome death this morning. No longer be defined by the pain that you feel like you can't overcome. No longer be defined by the stain of sin that you think is too much for you. Instead, Kahom, get up and arise. My question for you this week is this. Will you put death to death this week? And instead, Kahom, get up and live life the way Jesus intended. The way that he set this man free from his demons. He can set you free today as well. The way he dealt with his issue of blood in this woman, he can deal with the issue of sin in your life. The way he overcame the laughter of people that said she's dead, he can bring you to life this morning. Would you go home? Would you arise and experience life and put death to death? Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Oh, Father, it is uh, so easy to just give in, to give up, to let the pains that we feel every day overwhelm us, to let fear rule our life, to let an addiction drive us to places we thought we'd never go, and let bitterness drive us to hatred and anger that we didn't know that was in us. God, would you put those to death today and tell us to rise up, to get up, to leave those behind and walk out of this room a different person. God, would you deal with the issues in our life, the sin issues in our life that we cannot seem to overcome, that we just are defined by? These things that we can't ever get past, the hurdles that's too big, the wall that is too tall. God, would you help us understand that your redemption overcomes all of that? And that there is no stain that you cannot turn into a beautiful masterpiece. And would you tell us to go home, to rise up today?
God, allow us to put death to death this morning. And allow those that are in here this morning that maybe have never had an encounter with you personally to embrace life for the very first time, to bring their spiritual soul alive by surrendering their heart to you and crying out to you for acceptance and forgiveness and knowing that you are there to redeem and restore. God, we love you. Let life fill this place this morning.